you talk about keeping the the camera angle tight, or are you talking about just just keeping it tight, tight? Because first of all, she must always mm-hmm. do what she has to do in both scenarios. But <laughs> either you fit or you don't. Say there you go. But she's tight. I got references. <laughs> Well, okay. well. Well, we're here. We're here. Um, <laughs> we, we at Parents After Midnight. We kind of get into some of the stuff that, that parents want to talk about and know about. Um, t- today, we are talking about polyamory. So um, I'm very excited about this. So, Amari, would you like to introduce our guests? We have guests for the first time ever. <laughs> I gotta get that sound effect. My ad lips are better. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They really are. So I know. So I am so excited because I personally know both of you, and I'm excited that both of you said yes. So we have the wonderful Sophia. Do I say it wrong? I'm pretty. It's okay. It's Sophia rhymes with mafia. That's your mnemonic device. Oh. And then we have the wonderful Oswaldo, too. AKA Oz. Oh, I'm sorry. Oz. Man. Don't we put that man name like this? See, I know. Look at Oz shooting <laughs> retro, looking like, a, looking like a scene out of the Wonder Years or something. <laughs> I like it. It's my accent wall. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> it's my accent wall. I mean, I, I need to get an accent wall. I mean, everybody, everybody got one now. But, you know, people tend to get, you know, community guidelines because it looks like a bunch of dicks and stuff. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. That's, that's probably because it's like a bunch of dicks and stuff. Because they are. Um, You're on to something. You're on to something. That's, that's, about, that's, yeah, that's about right, actually. So. I mean, it's a wall. Of, it's a, literally a wall of dicks. So I'm, I'm it's a, a literal wall of dicks. Yeah. Just, you know, a little, little something here or there, you know, a little casual collection. Hey, casual collection of stuff. That is definitely a, a casual collection. I'm, I mean, I'm saying, but. I, I, I wanted to acquire as many rainbow colors as possible, you know? It's so intriguing. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get us back to the topic at hand. Okay. Paul and Emery. So. I, I guess I guess my first question. So, Oz, tell me what does what does polyamory mean to you? I don't know. It's something that um, that I'm exploring now. I'm currently dating a polyamorous. Uh, she has other partners, uh, and right now she seems really sexual compatible. So I'm just getting to know her and just exploring what this lifestyle is even like. What does it mean to you? Sophia, me? Sophia, I'm sorry. I'm like looking at you, so and I assume you can look at me back, but you can, so I'm sorry. <laughs> so for me, polyamory is about um, 
expression, self-expression. Um, I think there's a lot of restrictions, especially uh, Western society um, restrictions about what it is to love someone and care for others and things like that. Um, and I think polyamory allows a little bit more of a free space to be able to mix and match and customize your own relationships based off of person to person. Um, so there's polyamory and then there's non-monogamous relationships. So polyamory is more of a the lovey-dovey side and non-monogamous or consensual non-monogamous relationships is more people who date others and sleep with others and everyone knows about each other, at least to the context that everyone knows each other exists. Um, a little bit of a retraction we have in history throughout the past three or four decades that we've been all per publicly um, uh, practicing polyamory have always called it poly, but mm -hmm. the Polynesian people have been poly since the dawn of things. So we are now starting to call it polyam instead of poly out of respect for their culture and what they have to do for all the Pacific Islanders. So I'll try to do my best to say polyam instead of poly, but um, that's what I mean in case you hear that. Okay. Yo, you just dropped like 17 jewels. And I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to pick up all of them at the same time. Um, I've, mm. been, I've been in love with more than, than one person at a time in my life and have grown up in the same exact world that's that's telling you that that's not possible, right? Right. Um, which kind of correlates to, like, my bi and pansexuality because mm. I'm living in this world where, like, if you're, if, especially if you're a man, you either like women or you, like, you're one or the other. I was hard-pressed to find any other openly bisexual males uh, most of my life. When did you have that, like, instinct that that was, like, the life or that was, when did that start, like, playing in your head? Do you mind if I, I answer the question? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I, I, know, I know for me, I always had an idea that I was poly because I always had multiple best friends. And I always cared for them equally. It was never um, a it was never a scenario where I had my one best friend and I was never allowed to have others. I had multiple best friends, usually all at the same time, and I cared for them. And they all brought something different. I had like my party best friend and my very studious, you know, study buddy best friend. Um, I had my my black best friend because I grew up in a very predominantly white area. And then I had my other best friend that was like the wild card, the like, we go get in trouble sort of person. Um, I also am an identical twin. So sharing for me was never a awkward concept. And my parents never raised us to have to be competitive with each other. So for me, the idea of sharing my space, my food, my bed, and things like that with other people came very naturally. Um, I I know I knew I was polyamorous um, and my around 19 years old, I had my first polyamorous relationship and it was me and my girlfriend. And then she had another girlfriend. Me and the other girlfriend didn't quite 
get along only because there was an age gap between us. We couldn't relate. Like even like we didn't watch the same Saturday morning cartoons. Like we <laughs> like as a child, obviously. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's fine. Too. We weren't connected that way, but I still was very accepted of this other relationship that she had outside of me. So I would see her Monday through Friday and she'd spend the weekends with the girlfriend and that worked out fine for me. And piggybacking from that, it's, do you think that for you also your sexual sexuality, sorry, has something to do with your aspects to your relationships? Yes and no. I identify as homoflexible. So my primary sexual preference is women. Uh, but I do make a sex- exceptions for the men that are worthy of it. Um, I, no. Growing up, I was primarily oh, yeah. oh, lesbian, bisexual as well. Um, but I was never so much seeking like, one male partner, one female identified partner. I just wanted, um, I liked the idea of sharing love with multiple people. So for me, it didn't matter if it was two men, which it would have been unlikely for me, but two women or a woman and a man or something like that. Okay. This is, this is them, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I see you talking with the hands. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> That makes perfect sense. Well, well Oz, Oz, what about you? Do you, you feel like your 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 orientation? Because I know you you admitted, you know, bisexual, pansexual. Yeah. Did 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 that did that affect your your choice to be uh, polyamorous? It affected my choice to be openly uh, mm. polyamorous, as opposed to acting monogamous and cheating. Right. Right. Um, right. But the idea of polyamory was exposed to me when I. Um, Years ago, when I started attending uh, sex parties and sex clubs, and I was married, and we would meet other couples, when I understood the, the concept, it just it blew my mind. And it was like this—it just felt like it was like this ultimate form of love. And it kind of sucked that I just could, I couldn't try to paint it. Just felt like I was stuck in this marriage. And even then, after I, I left that, my bisexuality most of my life, I didn't I didn't quote unquote come out the closet until Amari. <laughs> and we started dating and then after we had broke up she was like the first friend to you know to like accept me and then unfortunately i had you know some some dudes that well who i thought were like family to me you know to this day i haven't heard from them damn yeah so i feel like i just for me my own personal experience like they're very much intertwined like i can't yeah. i can't fathom how i could separate sexuality from my lifestyle that makes sense. See, see, that's interesting because I was, I've always been interested in, I guess, more so in like learning more about polyam. See, polyam, I did that. So, more, <laughs> learning more about polyam. And I mean, well, I identify as, as heterosexual, but I was like, you know, um, could I could I do this? Like, is, is this something that I could do? So is there, is there like a quiz that you can take? Is there like you know is there like, like a BuzzFeed quiz that I can take for this? Um, and so I guess when people approach me and they start saying, "Hey, I'm interested in poly. Where do I get started?" Um, I usually recommend that they a do the work on themselves. That if you're trying to do polyamory to fix your relationship, if you're trying to do polyamory to spice things up because your relationship is getting dull, this is not going to do that. That means your foundation is already a little rocky. So either do your couples work together and find some sort of solid ground, and then do the work on yourself as an 
individual because this is going to challenge you. Um, if you are a heterosexual cisgender person, you can 100% do polyamory. You can have multiple partners and those partners can be either uh, also heterosexual or also be um, or be bisexual or whatever other um, situation. I have one person I know in my life and they are a cisgendered heterosexual male and somehow they have two queer identified female partners and for them it works that they all stimulate and bring something to each other that transcends like hopping in a bedroom. I think people also often think that polyamory is about how many humans can you cram in a bed like some sort of like porno orgy style but um, it's really a lot of Google calendar seeking, syncing. Um, it's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of processing. It's a lot of talking about feelings. So if you're not comfortable talking about feelings, get comfortable. It's gonna happen very fast. Um, when it comes to relationships, including one male identified person who happens to be cisgender and other cisgendered uh, women identified partners, I always say be conscious on the patriarchal stipulations you might put on your partners, that whole one dick policy. So just because you, Jared, might be the guy with the peen doesn't mean your other partners aren't allowed to have other peens. In theory, you would allow them to be able to do what they want to do as long as everyone is abiding by proper um, safe sex guidelines. Um, I've seen people send each other like a Google form and they send it out to all the partners and say, these are our test results. This is what we've done. This is our schedule. This is how we're going to maintain this. And we want to bring someone new in. Um, this is the vetting process for that person. Because whenever you add someone new, the whole, like, it trickles. And the whole dynamic of what you have set up will shift and change. Makes sense. Get Google Forms. I didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't have sex with uh, my partner until I got a full CT test also. Good job. Good job. It's basically how she explained it also. Like, if we're going to if, if we're gonna start having sex, like, we met each other, then it's like we're going to start having sex like on a regular basis, then we need to get tested, and we did. And it just felt great to be open and honest like that. It felt amazing. I was going to say myself, even as a solo poly, I'm, right now I'm single, but I'm in uh, polyamorous like situationships and things like that right now. But I, I went a gap of like not having any partners throughout the pandemic. And even though I knew I went into the pandemic being negative for a variation of STIs and STDs, I still made a point to come out of pandemic, out of the pandemic and still go get a test. So then that way, if someone asks for proof and documentation of what's going on and what's happening, I have that to offer them because I would hope that they would be just as transparent with me. That's smart. So talking about solo polyamory, what is that? Like, what is what is solo polyamory? I'm so confused. So solo polyamory is someone who is not in a relationship with another person at that moment or they choose to not be so you have different styles of polyamory um some of which are they call a v so let's let's use the people in the room as an example so we would have oz and we would have we'd have jared and then 
Armory would be the person in the middle that connects the two together. You could have a W and then that would be me added here and let's throw somebody named Kyle. No one likes Kyle's, but whatever, <laughs> we'll throw them in. But that would mean that the gentlemen would just coincidentally would not be connected, but the ladies would be the ones that could kind of complete the bonds. Mm-hmm. Um, solo poly would just be one person who chooses to either date into couples or choo- or chooses to date other single polyamorous people. Bingo, bingo. That's mine. He said I found my I found it. I found my tribe. I found my tribe. <laughs> the only downside that comes with being solo poly is you are entering into other dynamics that are already established. So you tend to have to um be vocal and make your way in and know that you're kind of setting your tone based off of their tone and then finding your voice within that particular relationship. Um, And then there are people who are polysexual um, and those are folks who just want to have sex with other human beings without, but also have sex with the same sort of human beings, like um, multiple friend with benefits and things of that nature. Okay, you're not looking to have you're not looking a nesting partner and a nesting. This is, this is like a dictionary thing, and yeah. then you have a nesting partner, which is the person who you live with. That's the person you share bills with, you sit at the kitchen table with, you um, um, maybe even share in a vehicle or whatever the case may be. That would be your nesting partner. Who also may not be your primary. Your primary is your first, is it would if someone had a hierarchy, they would be your your number one, which is usually reserved for a wife or a husband. You know, okay. Safia, I, I love it. I love it. He's learning. Like, especially like in this these alternative like worlds of like homosexuality, you know, it's a lot of instructions and a lot of like <laughs> and I'm really not with it like at all. I'm just like, <laughs> so, why? Like, I was like, so the shorty that I'm with, I'm like, okay, so you got two partners. Tell me about them, okay? When can I meet them? And then I, you know, I live my life but like. I don't know. Like it just it loses me a lot of that stuff, and I, I feel like a lot of all these technicalities could kind of scare people away from like you know just trying just live their life however it makes them happy. But I like what you do, Roz. I like that you're living this life of being transparent and saying, hey, this is who I am and this is what I want to do. This whole thing is always evolving and always changing. So if that's what feels comfortable for you, you're not going to have thought, have a problem finding someone who falls in alignment with that. Um, especially because cheating culture is glorified here in the United States yeah, between, you know, sugar babies and side chicks. Like, by all means, I'm all for a girl or a guy having to do what they do to get their bills paid or get a bag. Do whatever works best for you. But it would be, I, I, I can think of so many people who would have benefited from someone being upfront and saying, hey, just so you know, you're not the only one in my life I have a connection with. This is who that person is if you want to meet them let me know if not that's fine but you aren't the only one so then when they see you walking up and down main street 
holding hands with someone, you know, they're not, you know, fainting and calling up the girlies and being like, I can't believe it. This, this cheating ass motherfucker, blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, we're not yeah. trying to do that. Like, we're not trying to cause trauma for people in our relationships. That's, that, that's a lot of therapy hours, sitting on couches, trying to fix and repair. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, I think a lot of society, we've been we've been told what we should how to look. So I know, like for us coming into you know being open, it's a lot of that battle between. Even though this is who I want to be, but society tells me this is how I should be, and everybody else around me thinks that this is how I should be. So I know, like that's that's the main reason that I wanted him to be part of this just because like, I know he is not, he's coming into this, but I wanted him to see a positive side because I've talked to you before and you are so positive about it and you live in, you live it and you say you, you know, you're true to it. So I wanted him to see that. Yeah. It might be rough right now, but it, it, there is a positive side at the end of the tunnel and or a a light at the end of the tunnel is what I meant to say (laughs) something. I said something. But I, I I love the the dynamic right here because because you know you know Oz is just getting into it. Uh, Safi is is you know is is, is breaking it down so from, she from. She went to polyamorous college. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> the like, dean of Poly University. Yeah, <laughs> polyam tech. But it's like I, I've I've heard a lot of this like a lot a lot like, and I feel like this world is already. This this world, this society of polyamory, of those who agree, like these are good terms, right? It's already really small as it is, and then they had they developed these large or like co- complicated structure hierarchies and systems, and it, it, for me, it, it only serves as one function: is to keep that to keep that society as tight as it is. You know, like do like Jesus said. What what is the the, the best the the most important commandments is. Uh, what is it? Love your, love God and love your, your, your golden rule. Like everything should be able to just function under that golden rule and just chill. Like, you know, I I feel you. I'm I'm trying to love my neighbor. I'm trying to love my neighbor. If your neighbor's Miss Parker, why not? Hey, Miss Parker. And I'm like, yo, that sounds like single. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, you're, single, you're single and you will see what you want to see that's cool I love it <laughs> well yeah and, and a lot of the structure in polyamory is about keeping people's feelings um from from keeping people from feeling hurt it's also about safety because there's a lot of people who enter into polyamory and their intention is to start some shit and to start some fires and walk away from them and we're not trying to have like a massacre of people in our wake who have been hurt and run down and all these other things because that's not what we're signing up for but there are um there are actually like Christian-based multiple family settings. You have polyandry, which is where a woman has multiple husbands. Oh, um, that's often uh, practiced in some Indian cultures as well as also <laughs> as also in places in Africa like Nigeria. Um, you have polygamy, which is religious-based. That is going to be. Um, one man in a heterosexual relationship with a bunch of other women. That's what you usually see in like the fundamental Mormon societies in like um, a Utah and things like that. But there are different ways that people express having multiple partners. And it's, it, 
it's all over the world. We are just all here in the United States just starting to get hip to it, but yet we're still not. Like we could all probably whisper over to our parents when maybe they've had like, they're feeling a little bit like sharing and be like, hey mom, so what was the seventies like? And they start talking about pee parties and going over and being swingers and partying at Studio 54. And they were essentially practicing ethical non-monogamy. I heard somebody right. talk about the wild thing she did at Woodstock. I'm like, oh, okay. Nice to meet you. I mean, I, I guess that's a good point. I, you know, so it's 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 not like it's a new concept. So it's yeah. it's been around for for quite some time. I, I guess maybe my one of my questions is polyam people, and I and I'll pitch it to you you first, Oz. Polyam people, do you do you get jealous? How do you handle jealousy? Because obviously we're talking about this. It's not just a a, a sexual thing. It's not just some orgy. Yes. There's there is a there is emotion. a spirit. There's emotion. There's a human connection there. So how do you how do you deal with jealousy? Maybe you know, you feeling a little vulnerable. You you kind of want this time, but they're out with a, with a you know a different piece of the puzzle, so to speak. Uh, how, how do you how do you deal with that? So I don't I don't technically feel like sexual jealousy, but there are certain things that would make me jealous. Like if I'm really into a girl, if I love her, I kind of don't want any other man to cook for her. For example. Mm. Um. That being said, I kind of laugh at myself <laughs> over over that and. I'm not going to forbid, uh, you know, if I'm with a girl and she has another guy he wants to cook for, I'm not going to forbid that because I think that's silly. That's ridiculous in, in my mind, like that concept. Um, so I feel like, okay, I feel jealous. A little natural. I'll speak it without her No, like, yo, that makes me jealous. Um, and then I guess I'll just, i soothe it over with humor because there's no malice being done. It's just somebody else, you know, enjoying a, a bowl of pasta without me. Like, I should, <laughs> I should be mature enough to handle that, right? <laughs> like I don't know. Well, it's a boundary, so it's it's something yeah. it's something you feel. I I get that. But the sexual, and I feel like it's very much tied in with my own sexuality. So it's like mm. I'm attracted to men and I'm attracted to women, um, and I don't feel sexual jealousy. I could enjoy watching. I could enjoy participating. Um, I could just enjoy knowing she's getting off. Like that would get me yeah. off. Like all of it is exciting to me. So. How do people deal with the sexual jealousy? I, I guess I, I don't have an answer for that, honestly, because I really don't feel it. I think it would be different if you're being betrayed, right? I guess mm-hmm. that would be different somehow. Yeah. Um, but I guess in a situation I'm currently in, I don't see how that would happen. I think when it comes to jealousy, it's um jealousy arises in different ways for us. Most of the time it's a trigger. So Sometimes your jealousy is triggered based off of past relationship scenarios of people cheating and things like that. But I think also the same way non-monogamous relationships are outside of the box, sometimes your jealousies are outside of the box. It's, it is, jealousy is a natural emotion. It comes and it goes. So by all means, poly people, polyam people do get jealous. Um, but we have a way of processing the jealousy, similar to what Oz was saying, where you feel the jealousy come up and you talk to your partner and say, this triggered me to feel jealous. So let's have a conversation on how I felt and see how we could prevent this jealous feeling from coming up in the future. And sometimes it's just some reassurance where it just says, hey, I, um, uh, for example, I, my one of my former partners um, is married. Has, is married and had a wife at the time, 
And the day before we would go hang out together, he would take his wife out on a date. They would go out, spend some one-on-one time together, and he would pre-cook her dinner. So then that way, because he was the cook in the house, that way while him and I are out having a meal, she's not sitting around at home enjoying a, a dry bowl of cereal, feeling mm-hmm. left out and neglected. Um, sometimes you create a distraction and your partner goes out with someone else and you go hang out with your girlies or you go out with the guys and you know, or spend as much time on a video game as you want to <laughs> because you're happy to have that solo time to be left uninterrupted that if you have a um, better center for yourself, having some free time, knowing your partner's away doing something else, doesn't bother you too much. You're like, don't, is this, don't you want to go out on a date? Don't you want to go somewhere? You know, I got wine and episodes of something I'm trying to catch up on and you're <laughs> in my face and you're bothering me. Um, and Triggers, can, so like I was saying about triggers arising and feeling different, um, I have another friend who him and his partner were together and they both were professional uh, professional dom- dom- dominatrix in the BDSM community. Um, he had a client, a submissive, who he had three years prior to this relationship. Uh, they were non-sexual. They just exchanged BDSM energy. And then one day she saw him braiding her hair because he likes to braid her hair and keep it out of her face for the scene that they're doing. And she said, I don't think I like that. That's too intimate. Like he, Mm. by all means, he wails on this girl and sticks needles in her and all these other things. And she's fine. She's butt naked. He's, she's fine with that. But she said, you know what? That's too intimate. I have another friend who said, my husband does these wild, sexy things with his partner. And then he said he took her on a picnic. And I don't like that. That's too intimate for me. <laughs> so your boundaries can look different. By all yeah. means, you could say, hey, you know what? Oz, I love our relationship. This is great. But I don't like it when you spend three consecutive nights overnight at someone else's house. I miss you when you're gone from me out of our bed for three days. Do you think that we can cut it down to two days and one overnight or at least not have them be consistent? And you talk it out and you come up to a compromise. If you can't talk it out and have a compromise, Polly's not meant for you. And maybe that relationship is not for you as well. See, Oz, like that, 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 that cooking thing is, is, is not looking so crazy. See, I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I have a question. So as for Oz, so as a dad, because, I mean, this is Parents After Midnight after all. As of a course. dad, how has this been? Because you're open with your son. So how how have you talked to him about not just your sexuality, but who you are and what you like? How has the, How was the conversation, if you had the conversation? So the, the people want to know. I've been small. Like, uh, my son is 16, and he's extremely, like, this age. Um, you know, I explained to him what polyamory is to the best extent that I understand it to myself. Um, and it's, his response was, you know, if it, if it makes you happy, that's fine. So that was one conversation, right? Another conversation was, you know, me having people over the house. Um, after one or two girls, I kind of felt a little... Like, you know, I'm bringing people into our home and I'm not even talking to him about it or even asking how he feels. So then I asked him, I was like, look, how do you feel about this? Um, are you okay with this? Does it make you uncomfortable? Um, his response, 
no. He's like, I didn't even notice that you had anybody over. And I was like, whew, thank God. Cause, but yeah, he's, he, he just, he's accepting of me just the same way I'm accepting of him. It's great for the communication. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Safi, you, you have any, any, any experience with that or any, any, I do. Um, I've been a nanny and I've been a babysitter and I have nieces and nephews and godchildren. So I don't have any children myself, but I've certainly been involved with people who have children and your children aren't stupid. The same way I said, you know, your child observed that there's like, oh, you got a lot of visitors lately. Like what's happening? Like they're not foolish and you would rather they know the truth from you than come up with an assumption or God forbid, go on a Google search and try to figure out what's going on, what's happening, because that's just going to bombard them with a lot of like nonsense and propaganda so you do just like that you express what you're doing um as much as they can understand and i'll be honest most of the time the kids don't care they're they're growing up in this really fun like no labels do what you want to do Mm -hmm. fuck the man we don't need to work you know no kids just cats like they're growing up this very fun new way that they don't really care that you have multiple partners. The only thing I would say is if you're married and you have children and you're introducing partners to make sure you and your married spouse or your primary spouse or the person who you have those children with are sitting down and saying, just so you know, we are adults that are engaging in something and everyone knows what's happening because you don't want your child to observe something and think differently of you and think you're a cheater because then those sort of like generational things create Mm -hmm. habits for your children so you just say hey just so you know we all know about each other if you have questions if you want to uh i usually say if you can do like a casual hangout like you don't have to do anything formal like a four course dinner and sit down in bow ties but if everyone could maybe like hit up like a dave and busters or a theme park together or something even a little less casual like grab a coffee if you've got like a, an older child and just so everyone knows who everyone is in the scenario your kids will love you for it they'll, they'll their course will be like ew does that mean you're doing the, the sex with other people but you'd rather they know it from you so so question so Sophia, i have a question for has there ever been a moment um like through your journey that you felt uh like insecure or scared or about your relationship where you know you're like you know i don't know if this is good like as has it has you ever have you ever had that feeling Ooh, so for me, my main stumble has been finding my people. So the way you were saying, I found my tribe. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I've been polyamorous since 19. And then luckily, um, like, meetups and groups and support groups and things like that were always accessible for me. But I would show up and I'm the only young Black person at the entire event. Mm. And finding other partners that look like me, finding partners in my age range, I would either, um, I so even, for example, I was 23, I was at an event and 
the youngest person there was 21 and the oldest person there was in their 50s. So, of course, they grew up, you know, oh, light up, have sex, do drugs, be free, like, woo, the 70s. They've got this older, like, more uh, old school yeah. vibe to non-monogamy. And then you've got the younger ones that are like 18, 19 years old. And they're like, we don't do labels. Uh, rebel against the man. Uh. And I don't relate to them because yeah. I, they're 18. And I can't take you to a club anywhere. Like you're not right. old enough to get in. And then I have the ones who are in their 50s, and I can't relate to you because you just want to stay at home. And even though I dig a stay-at-home moment at 23 years old, I'm looking to go out and have a good time. Um, that actually really strongly influenced me moving to Los Angeles was having more opportunities for love. And I have had I've had a really beautiful like boom of growth going to this particular space that I knew would be following along with what I wanted for myself, especially being homo flexible and the Midwest has its own sort of like very Southern Bible belt values about bisexuality, homosexuality and things like that. Mm -hmm. I also wasn't looking to be judged or be set up for like to be hate crimed or something. So mm -hmm. I had to book it and go somewhere else so that was only my main struggle um in terms of my my polyamory journey yeah so do you think that the way that you can find like your tribe is depending on where you live just because you know maybe everybody's in la maybe your poly poly m family's in la I think that's definitely possible. Like the beauty of all of the online dating apps and stuff like that, they're all starting to catch up. There's an app actually called Open. It's called Hashtag Open. And the whole app is just to find other ethical, non-monogamous people all over the globe. Um, Bumble even now allows you to be able to, you know, obviously throw some things into your profile and choose it. Um, I think even the Black dating app allows it okay cupid is great for it tinder is okay but it's usually more people looking for like um like a casual hookup encounter sort of thing but be honest throw it in your profile let people know on the first second date that you're someone who believes in ethical non-monogamy and let that person make the choice if they want to stay in it with you and you'll be surprised to find more people than you won't that's like so. So, uh, just a little tad bit. Uh, Tinder's where I met Oz. <laughs> well, I, I found um, this app called Field, you know, my research, in my research purposes, you know, and everything. I found this, this app called Field, uh, F E L L D, where you know it's it's it's, it's on the same lines of uh, hashtag open and, and, and everything else, where you kind of can be a little bit more freer on there, too. So I like the, the fact that, you know, they, they, cause sometimes people are not ready just to dive all the way in. Sometimes you're just a little curious. You just want to, you want to keep big toe in. I mean, I don't just, I think I'm a little bit more curious than my big toe. Maybe, maybe I can get my whole right foot. You know what I mean? Maybe it's like my ankle. Probably. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? So, all right. So I have to ask the question that most people who are just listening to this gotta know. And so when you're, in a polyam relationship, what's the rules? Are, 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 are we are we having sex with everybody? Are we kind of having sex with? Is it is it siloed sex? Like kind of like what you talked about before with the W? Is it is it is it V? Is it the X? What's happening? What, what it letter depends. Is it? 
it depends on how your relationship is set up. And just because you are in a relationship with, so they have what they call kitchen table poly, which is you and everyone share a home and you share a kitchen table and you share space together. Some people do have rules where if the three of us are together, we're only having sex together as a trio. No one's allowed to have sex without the other person present. I feel like that's pretty restrictive. Um, that's my opinion, not uh, for those people who believe in it. I feel like if I'm at home and me and Oz are feeling frisky, like, does that mean we got to call Jared and tell him to come home on his lunch hour? Like, he got things to do, his bills right. to pay. We right. should be able to get along with whatever we want to do as adults and then keep it pushing. Um, but some people do have those sort of set rules. So you ask people exactly the question you asked. What does sex look like for us as a polyam non-monogamous couple? What is the ideal scenario for you? And either that works out for what you see for yourself or it doesn't. For me, if I had to say long-term from my hypothetical family in the future, I see myself with one I see myself with three or four partners total. I want all of us to live together. I want all of us to share bills and raise children together. And I want all of us to love on each other equally. Um, when it does come to, uh, so in theory, I also would love it if everyone was bisexual so that everyone can share in each other, but not all bi people are into each other. So just because two people are bi doesn't mean that they're sexually compatible, but in theory, we would be working towards that central goal. Um, but it just depends on what feels natural to you. And if it doesn't, then you have to kind of make the executive decision on either taking someone out and entering someone new or kind of going your own ways or just never getting started in it to begin with. Mm. No, so, so what about you, Oz? What what what's your your natural um you know inclement for that? You know, or do you know? I'm a, I'm gonna sleep with whoever I want to sleep with. <laughs> 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 and, and Don't tell me and, not to sleep with them. Whoever wants to be with me, you know, sex, like like the shorty that I'm seeing, she's okay with that. Yeah, as well, right? So like I said, she has her partner, so on rule sets of the STD test. So I'm like, like I'm, I'm bisexual and one of our partners is bisexual and meet him. Hopefully there's a connection there. And then us yeah. three, we can share in that right there. Right. I take, you know, wear condoms where, where it's necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a be safe. Thing, honestly, be safe. And just I have, a, I have a question for you, Oz. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you went to a sex party. How was your first experience going to a sex party? Because you said that's like kind of like what opened your answer. eye. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you don't have to tell us everything, but you know. 2011. So it's been I've, been, I've been doing this for a while. So it was like 2011 and it was, it was the first time of every nerf. Um, it was, uh, in New York city. I'm from New York originally. Um, and the club, they, they closed it down. Um, but it was really nice. It was like a legit, like, like lounge club. You walked in, they checked you in, checked ID, you paid. They had a dance floor. They had a hallway with like private rooms and they had showers, steam room, locker rooms. Like they had various floors that had different rules as you went up. Like the, the further you went up, the crazy. 
<laughs> like you can't be on the third floor if, if, if you're not fucking basically it's like you can't just stand there and watch in this floor but there's a second floor for that <laughs> you know what oh, I mean yeah. like they just it was like a playground for everybody and I just thought it was like an amazing like experience but the first time was definitely nerve-wracking but by the second and third I, I was just into the swing of things no pun intended you were like D- this is home <laughs> I found my people I, I was like, why, I said, why is it why is this not the normal? Is what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, why is this not happening everywhere? Why is it just here? I have a question for you, Oz. Were you surprised when you went to the sex party just how different everybody looks? That you walk in and I describe it as, you know, we see what we see in a movie and you see these sex parties and everyone is skinny with big boobs and nice hair and suits. But you go into these parties and I, I remember myself being very culture shocked and being like, this is like the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, <laughs> big bodies, little bodies, and everyone's getting play. Like, I, did you have that same experience? So, so, um, yes and no. So the first place I went to was definitely more like on the higher end. It was more expensive to get in. And it was like private invite. So it was definitely that kind of vibe, but it wasn't the tuxedos with the with the freaking mask in your eyes. Like it, it wasn't that like bougie either, right? Like, um, and for the most part, a lot of people, even you know, the older people. Um, but then there was more of like, you know, the mom and pop shop, people who host parties in their houses, mad cool as well. Like you said, like, you know, diverse bodies and Everyone is just you no. Know, everyone's just, just just so chill and open with each other. I just like being in that kind of environment where, like, you know, it's, it's funny because in the movies and the stereotype is like you put a mask on because you want to hide, right? Mm-hmm. But at these parties, it feels it, for me at least if, what it like else like no, nah, we're taking the masks off and everybody's just being themselves. Like, yeah, that's what's up, right? Um, so I've been to all like levels. I've been to like small and intimate. I've been out in a ranch. You know, I've been. You know the legit like hiring clubs, um, yeah, and you'll be surprised the amount of people you, you the kind of people you see, um, <laughs> the diversity in, in the parties on actually the diversities of wherever you're living. Obviously, the parties were a lot more diverse here in New England. Uh, mm. You know, not so much, but you know that's more up to me. You know, to to bring the people the swing of things. That's what I'm talking about. Into the swing of things. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just as a uh, production note, uh, Amari, we, we're gonna have to take a, a a trip to the to the sex club. Oh, just for, for research for, purposes. For research, yeah, for research. Right, so we can, course, you know, just yeah. you know, you know, for the pod. There, there I'll, I'll any, go with us. Any legit sex clubs in Massachusetts? There's none. He goes to parties. To like I, I I gotta I, mean, I gotta like, disagree with you on no, that there's one. House parties, there's house parties, but the actual yes. club where you could do it on site, they don't have those in Mass. Yes, oh, and and ma- and the smaller areas like the Massachusetts, the Indianas, the Dakotas, those yeah. like more conservative oh, areas, they don't have like a brick and mortar place you can walk in with equipment and beds. But there's a lot of there's websites you can go to, and people are like, if you know someone who knows someone, you get an invite to someone's house. They usually drop the address a couple hours before the party, and you show it. up. They usually take your phone or tell you I mean, to lock your someone. phone for, an- for anonymity, and you show up and things go down. 
things go down in those places. You I heard, I've heard. Tubs and they got bartenders and you know, it's it, it can be interesting. But it's kind of like you said, it, it's a um it's a know someone who knows someone sort of a connection. You like you obviously aren't gonna see like a Facebook event for this sort of thing. <laughs> like a calendar. So also mm-hmm. When are you gonna? I need to go for research purposes. My co host said that I have to, so I'm just saying. Oh my god, <laughs> there is ones that are in Providence that the actual, like, like she said, brick and mortar, like party places, they're in Providence, so it's kind of it's not too far, but it's not too close either. Not too and close. Massachusetts has a, uh, and New Hampshire has a host of like people who host parties within their own homes or on their own properties. Like you can make an adventure out of it. There's there's even um, a place in Denver, Colorado, that is an entire hotel that's converted into like fantasy rooms. And then they have like the host parties in like the main space downstairs, which is kind of more like their basement area. So either you can bring your own crew and take over the hotel. Or you could show up and just hop in on whatever's happening there. Um, but those people are more of like the swinger vibe, like just looking for a hookup. But there are people who do make like connections. And then that person starts off as like a friend with benefit. And then before you know it, they've been your friend with benefit for like six months and it transitions into a relationship. So that definitely happens. That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm gonna do some research here. So we're going to Denver. That, that's Denver. That's <laughs> Denver, Colorado, with an Denver. Denver with an inverse. I don't know, Sophia. Have you ever done one of those? I've always wanted to go on one of those. Uh, yes, I went to one in San Francisco that was similar to that. Um, it's an actual building, and then you walk in, and there's like all these mood lights. There's beds everywhere. Um, it's three stories, and then when you go to the bottom floor, everything's designed to look kind of gross and seedy. So there's concrete walls and concrete um, <laughs> floors. Um, you can either leave the door open and let people watch you, or you mm-hmm. can close it. But there's no roofs to any of the rooms. Um, almost like drywall. So then that way, if there's something dangerous or bad happening, the people who are um, running the event can hear and intervene when they need to. Like, it, it looks like chaos when you show up and there's naked folks everywhere and they're banging on whatever surface. There's even one room that looks like a fishbowl. So when you first walk in the event, into the into the space, you look to the what what is my left and there's a room that has this big glass and you're ba- and a bed inside and you're basically in a fishbowl and everyone's watching you from the outside so people are either just watching and observing some people are behind you and they're like tugging one out and absorb enjoying the voyeurism side of it it looks crazy but it's an organized chaos the same way we were talking about there's rules for everything so that people show up and they either encourage you to as long as you're staying and observing respectfully you're allowed to stay if you're getting like trying to walk in the room or i've seen people heckle other people which is what? gross like don't talk about the stroke game while they're doing their thing <laughs> um, they need to be bounced out of there so rude it's rude it's rude you but it's, it's also like it's it's one of these like cute things where 
polyamory and um, stuff like that is not just for like kink and BDSM folks. Like I know whole poly communities that are D and D, LARP, role play, like Dungeons and Dragons, and oh. you know, fake swords kind of folks. Um, okay. So like a poly AM marble community. That's what I. That's that's where I was. No. That's what I, so you're joking, but you're not joking. No, Go to any, any of these cosplay conventions, and I guarantee you someone's hotel room is set up for an after party that so kind of falls into the same vibe. Costumes next. encouraged. Sometimes right. there's a theme. Um, these Las Vegas, like, um, uh, Las Vegas tends to host a lot of the, uh, like, um, a porn awards oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Ooh. Those hotels tend to have a lot of really great things. But like I said, that's more of the swinger side, but still falls under ethical non-monogamy because that's what couples are doing yeah. outside of their uh, regular schmegular marriages and stuff like that. It's, not, it's, it's a thing. You could go out there and find yourself a, um, a Black Panther costume party, sex party, oh, and Live your best T'Challa Umbaku life and, you know, have a good time. I mean, there you go. He's like, I'm looking for my Black Panther suit right now. There you go. Yeah. Give us a, give us a oh, that's not a cute ad tag to it. I'm, um, I'm the, I'm the Kira looking for my, looking for my T'Challa. Oh, all right. That's what I'm making that my next. I'm, I'm Black Hawk looking for my black. I'm a Hawkeye looking for my Black Widow. Oh, <laughs> so if we want, if you want somebody to write on your <laughs> Tinder profile, hit her up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I, I got I got one one last question to kind of kind of wrap things up. Um, I I you know I I guess what is the one thing that you would love to communicate to somebody who is has no idea about the, the polyam lifestyle, no idea about how it works. What's the one, the one thing from your vantage point that you would like to communicate for them to know, you know, just in general about this lifestyle? If I had to choose one, it would be, it's a little darker. Um, sex trafficking, and all these other things 100% completely exist. Do not feel any sort of hesitation to ask for people to be transparent about themselves, who they are, and what their intentions are. Young women, especially women of color, go missing every day and people don't notice them and a lot of times it's predators that are hiding in plain sight amongst these alternative lifestyles so if you go and you meet someone on a dating app and you say hey i want to get together and we can chit chat about like poly m or whatever we want to do in this relationship please ask for ids like how you want to lick my butthole but you don't want to show me your id like there's this red flag like that's there's something real sus about that yeah so the same red flags you would see in a regular monogamous relationship still exist in your ethical non-monogamous relationships please use your common sense and roll those things over so that you don't catch yourself you know um in danger somewhere because the last thing we need is any more people to go missing and we also don't need the the heat on the community with Mm -hmm. um 
news headlines because of course they want to lead with you know woman goes finds man on dating website cheating on husband blah 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 um this tonight it's at eight o'clock news like we don't need that that wasn't it yeah Mm -hmm. so i have one last question for you oz as a dad um as a parent what would be your i guess advice for any parent uh that it's thinking or that isn't like thinking about beginning their polyamorous relationship like what would you think uh would be a good advice for them with their children like to tell their children and all that stuff um i think if you got into a place in your life where you decided you want to explore being polyamorous and exploring that lifestyle and whatever your sexuality is tied with that maybe then you have a certain set of values to you whatever those values are Generally speaking, they're different for everybody, but open-mindedness, you know, loving people unconditionally, these things kind of is a theme that goes across all people who are polyamorous, right? You kind of have to have that within you. Um, so just instill those themes into your own children, because um, that's what you're really telling them, that you're open to all forms of love, um, and you're willing to share that with who with you, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, I think anybody like tried to hide it from the not so much about whether or not it's appropriate. It's more of like, you know, do you feel ashamed about who you are or not? Correct. Because if you do, then yeah. there's something else you need to work on. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. We don't have to have the relationships our parents had. We no. don't have to have the commercialized um, society pushed versions of relationships. We also don't have to parent the way our parents did, where we were often told as young children, that's grown people's business. You aren't entitled to ask questions and don't validate our curiosity. I like that idea that you just talk to your children and you be honest and give them whatever answer you think is appropriate. Good, good at you. Good at you. Proud of you. I mean, gay, is gay there an apostasy? He doesn't want to know. I mean, most teenagers don't want to know all your personal intimate, like, <laughs> they don't care. Right. Sometimes when you ask a question, that's all. You don't want to, you don't want to know the answer to that question. Because I definitely have a, I'm not going to lie to my kids' policy, right? Um, so when, when, when I say that, he knows what I mean. He's like, okay, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> so that's that. <laughs> right? It's like, ew, um, If he ever gets old enough where he wants to have, you know, more, he wants to learn more about, like, self then sure whenever he's ready for that he can hit me up right because we've already established that we could talk about whatever yeah talk spoken i love it i am super excited that you guys are part of our first people that we interview and i'm so happy and i'm very grateful because i just i just love each both of you so i'm very happy and i'm very grateful and thank you so much for being part of the parents after midnight I don't know if you want to say something, Jared. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I mean, by all means, tell everybody where you can, where you can, uh, where they can find you at. Um, so I'm sex positive, Sophia. You can find me on uh, TikTok, on Instagram, uh, Tumblr, and Twitter. Um, SP Sophia on the two, and then Sex Positive Sophia on the other ones. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. If y'all are ever in LA, please let me know. We can go on location, go on assignment. We come to LA. We come to LA. Yeah. Yeah. Go check out some spots. Yeah, you know, my sister told me I have to go this year. If not, that we're not. Your sister. 
your sister, your sister, your sister's the HBIC around this town. So by I all means, you get like the full red carpet VIP experience going out places with her. Mind you, you gonna come back and you gonna feel like. I didn't know that existed, but you know, well, that's, another, me, that's another podcast. That's another, that's another yeah. Podcast. She told me to go for um, pride and I was like, I'm going to try to get the days off so I can come. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I get the days off so I can definitely go. And maybe this. come for the dominatrix convention. Ooh, what is that? May. Oh, that's my birthday. And I already got my birthday off. Tell me. <laughs> Jared's like I'm coming. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, so where, where, where can they find you at on, on, on socials? There is a conversation elsewhere. Sorry. <laughs> so you can find me on Instagram. Where's Oswaldo? Um, Oswaldo spelled O Z W A L D O. Where's Oswaldo? And on Twitter, um, correlated truth. Thank y'all so much. I'm 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 trying to plan out this this whole LA thing so we 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 can all come and and have some fun. Oh, but, you're coming too. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah we we nominated you. You're coming to us. So <laughs> th- thank you, thank you to both of y'all for for being here, uh, parents after midnight. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Peace. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Parents After Midnight. You can always keep in touch with me and Jared at Parents After Midnight, all for either Twitter, IG, or TikTok. Or you can always simply email us at parentsaftermidnight at gmail.com.